Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you've been a believer, a Christian for a long period of time, then you've heard that phrase, led by the Spirit of God. Yet, as Christians, we all can struggle. We will struggle when we know the right thing to do and, or the right thing to say, and yet we find that we just can't seem to follow through. Maybe we can't do to our own pride, or maybe a, a principle that we hold within, or maybe we're angry or offended, or maybe we just can't accept somebody else's different perspective. So we struggle to do the right thing when we know what God really wants us to say or wants us to do. I mean, that is really a tough place to be, especially as a Christian. So we struggle to do the right thing, just like Jonah did when God told him to go to Nineveh. But Jonah decided to go the other way, to Tarshish. And Jonah knew the right thing to do, but he refused. And he went his own way. Have you ever been caught in a place where you knew what God was asking you to do? But you did something else instead? See, in the middle of it, you knew or you know what you're doing isn't right, but you can't just seem to stop. There's a power struggle going on inside of you, which makes decision-making incredibly difficult. I mean, in our flesh, in our, in our greediness, or we can become determined to do it our own way. It's just like the gangster who, who the bookie owed him $100,000. Well, the bookie was deaf, and so he used sign language. And so the gangster brought along his accountant who knew how to do signing and he went up to him and said, hey, tell the guy to give me my money. And the bookie said, I don't know where his money is. The boss says he doesn't, boss, he says he doesn't know where it is. So they went back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, he goes, tell him to give me my money or I'm going to blow his head off. He says, whoa. The accountant signed to him. He means business. He's going to blow your head off. The guy says, no, 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 no. And he signs back. It's downstairs in the basement in my desk in the bottom left drawer. So the accountant looks back at the boss and says, you're an idiot and you don't have the guts to blow my brains. Well, you can imagine what happened next. <laughs> now, you see, the bookie was caught between right and wrong. Our flesh can be greedy, and it can be determined to do things to benefit ourselves. Our flesh may want its own way due to anger and pride and jealousy and offense and greed, all sorts of weird stuff. And wow, can we struggle to just let it go. We may even think, we have our flesh under control. 
But the truth is we're lying to ourselves because that's the very thing that has a hold of us and has us under control. You know, we might even be aware that this thing that's wrong in our life is ruining our marriage. It's ruining our relationships, our career, our vocation, our family. And we'll say, but it's the principle of the thing. I can't help it. And we're caught in between obeying the Spirit of God or submitting to our flesh. You know, church, we often mess up in our Christian lives, not because we're malicious and evil, but really because we're frail and needy. We need a power beyond ourselves in that struggle. We need something that is bigger than us on the inside. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he really understood this. So let's read out of Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14. And he says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself where I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that's, that does it. But I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is, that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. This struggle is not something new that you and I struggle with. We all wrestle with sin. The good news is God, the author of freedom, He can and does help us. The Holy Spirit has a power bigger than all who own, which will free us, folks, which will free us from always constantly wrestling with our flesh. Folks, we need to pray something like this. Lord, this is not the life I want to live. God, I want your best, but somehow I keep losing the battle. Holy Spirit, please give me strength greater than my own free will. See, God doesn't, God doesn't denigrate. He doesn't demean. He doesn't devalue you because of your or my frailty. God loves us so much. God gives us a gift to help us in the midst of all of our frailty. 
Let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a really incredible word that we need to look at in this passage. It's the word power. From the Greek, it's the word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It is a power, an explosion, an ability, a capacity, a capability far greater than our own. God says He's, he's going to give us a dunamis, a power far greater than our own ability. He's going to give us power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He gives us this power, this dunamis, in part so that we could be witnesses. Now the word witness, from the original language in Greek, it's called martus. It's where we get the word martyr. Jesus is saying that He gives us the power to be a martyr. Does that mean for us to lay down our lives? Sort of, but not necessarily as a dead martyr. Let's go again to Paul, Romans, 1, verse, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, that, that's you and me, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Yes, we're to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, but not a dead one. God's speaking of a living sacrifice. So the Holy Spirit gives to us the power to lay down our lives, to lay down our flesh. One of the greatest gifts God's ever given us could also be one of our greatest, well, curse. It's our free will. Free will gives us the ability to even reject our Creator. And that's why there can be this war within our own heart. This war within can cause all sorts of havoc in our relationships. I bet you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes we'll be in situations and with a friend or a family member or a loved one, and then later on, we may think to ourselves, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Really what we're trying to say is, who's going to free me from this warring that's going on inside of me? See, God understands, and this is what He says, I'm going to give you the greatest power of all. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be a living martyr. You see, true freedom, it comes when we reach out to pray and to receive the Holy Spirit. Where we pray, Holy Spirit, please help me to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to have the core, the same core values of God the Father. So that I don't have to wrestle, I don't have to debate, I don't have to war within myself. I want to be free from all of that. Before 
I received Christ before you, before people receive Christ. You know, it's my will that ran and ruled supreme. Before Christ, we wanted to do whatever we wanted to do, whenever we wanted to do it. And we really thought that that was true freedom, but that's a false definition of freedom. See, when the captain of my soul, Jesus Christ, came into my heart, I received him as my Lord and Savior, something happened. I wanted him to rule and to reign in my heart. I wanted him to guide my steps. I wanted his core values, and I still do today. But now I need to be spirit-led and not just spirit-born. I'm not able to lay down my right, my right to override God daily on my own. I, w- I struggle. You probably struggle. I will war within myself against my flesh. And the only way to combat that is we need the Holy Spirit to lead us. Maybe we should really define freedom more as all those internal struggles that we no longer have to struggle with. That we would be free from those internal battles because we're being, well, spirit-filled. We're being spirit-led now. This kind of freedom comes by receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus freely submitted himself to the will of the Father when he was on planet earth. Let's look and see that example. In John 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Catch this part. Not to do my own will. Wow. Let's look at John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Now catch this part. Because I do not seek my own will, Jesus says, but the will of him who sent me. As we read these words of Jesus, we can see clearly that Jesus' free will was not for sale. Jesus was sold out to the will of the Father. Jesus did not struggle with who was in charge of his life. When a captain in the Navy of a big ship or a submarine is not on the ship, it's the executive officer who takes over command. And he rules the roost. Whatever directions he gives, whatever order he gives, that's what all the men are to do. It's just the way it is. But when the captain of the ship boards back on and gets into his bridge, the XO, the executive officer, he backs up. And now he submits to the captain of the ship. He makes sure that everybody else on the ship is doing exactly what the captain has ordered. You see, the same thing is true with our free will. 
before the captain of our souls entered our own hearts, our free real, our free will, it ran our ship, our life, wherever we wanted it to go. We made the orders. But when the captain of our souls, Jesus Christ, came in, something happened. The XO, well, that'd be you, that'd be me, has chosen to carry out the will of God the Father, not our own will. And we now fight against our flesh, fight against our free will to make sure it stays in submission to the captain of our souls. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to lay down our rights to override God. When that happens, a great freedom comes over. It comes over our life and, and all of a sudden there's a whole new identity because of that submission. If we don't understand this, well, then we can be Pentecostal and yet we will still follow our own will and still follow our own way against God. And we will war within our own self. So let me close with this thought. And let me close with this story. One of the first reasons the Holy Spirit has been given is to help us to remember that our free will is not for sale. Our God created each of us. And then after losing us to our sin, paid the price to buy us back again. Well, let me illustrate this spiritual truth with this story. There's this uh, young boy, and he was quite the little handy guy. He literally carved out and made his own sailboat, a big one. And he worked meticulously on it. He would carved it, carved it out. He balanced it out, and he sanded it, and he painted it. And on the bow, he even put his own initials. He had a mask. He had the sails and everything. And there was a creek and a stream close by his home. And there he would go for hours sailing his boat on this little stream. Well, one day there was a big storm. And he ran out with his boat knowing that it was going to be fast waters and a bit of a torrent to this small model boat. And he put it in and it was doing great. It was keeping its line. It was going exactly where he wanted it to go. He's getting all excited. And then it was going so much faster than him, he couldn't catch up. And he realized a culvert was coming up. He thought, well, maybe I can just run to the other side of the culvert and, and I'll rescue my sailboat. But when he got to the other side, well, you know what happened? He couldn't find it. He looked and he looked. He ran to the other side and ran back to the other side. He ran in all directions and could not find it. He came home and, well, he literally cried himself to sleep. A couple weeks later, he and his family were walking downtown. And they came upon this little pawn shop. And he looks in the window, and lo and behold, there is his sailboat. And on the bow, there's his initials on his boat that he created, that he made with his own hands. He ran, swung open that door. He ran in and said, hey, that's my boat. I made that boat. I want my boat. He says, you like that boat? 
He says, yeah. He says, $18. $18? But I made the boat. Son, it's my boat in the window. $18. You can't. I made that boat. Son, I'm not here to argue with you. If you want the boat, it's 18 bucks. If not, please leave. Mean old man. He got out of there and he walked out. Went home, sniffing a little bit. And then he grabbed the rake, and then he grabbed the lawnmower. And day after day, week after week, he asked anybody, every neighbor, if he could mow their lawn, if he could pull weeds, if he could rake leaves, whatever he could do. And after a period of time, he had got a sock, and he started putting in the nickels and the dimes and the dollars. And until finally, he had $18. He went back with that sock in hand and opened up that door and threw it on the counter and says, I want my boat. He went up and he grabbed the boat. And he says, there's $18. Here's your boat. He took that boat, looked real stern at that old man. And when he got out, this is what he said. He ran over, got to a tree where nobody could see him. And he just hugged on that boat. And he said, I'm going to take better care of you this time than before because now I own you twice. I made you and then I bought you back. You're mine. That's the love of God. That's the love of your Heavenly Father. Not only did He make you, but He also bought you back with the blood of Jesus Christ. When we understand that kind of love that God has for us, then we begin to understand the importance of letting God shape us. But we as humans, we just don't have that power alone within us. For some reason... We want to grab onto the reins and not let go and we want to be in charge. So God realizes that. And He says, let me give you the help you need. Let me give you the Holy Spirit. As we take the Holy Spirit, we can then lay down our lives. We can then no longer override God. And we'll have the strength to override the flesh. When we catch that, we begin to understand what it is to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. To be Spirit-led and not just Spirit-born. The question is, are you willing to receive not just Christ's salvation, but the power of the Holy Spirit? to fill you, to guide you, to lead you. God not only created you, but paid for you with the blood of Jesus, including your free will. But you must choose to freely submit to God. The power of the Holy Spirit has come so that we can say, I am His witness. I am His martyr in my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, to all the ends of the world. 
Let me show you how Paul really saw the necessity of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Church, being born again, receiving salvation is one thing, but receiving the Holy Spirit is yet another thing. And Paul the Apostle, he made this clear to these believers. Paul knew that to override the flesh, our free will against God's will, that we needed the power of the Holy Spirit. We needed that dunamis. So I ask you, have you been filled? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? What a beautiful freedom it is. If God is tugging on your heart right now, and this is something you know you want, this, you know this is something you need in your Christian faith, then I want you to feel free to, to go to the website rrf.church Send us a, pray, a prayer request. I would love to contact you and talk with you and pray with you. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and set the captive free. Love you guys. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each and every person today who, Father, they know they need the Holy Spirit. I pray you would draw them to you, that you would draw them to write a prayer request, that they could experience all that you have for them. Lord, nothing's impossible with you. Father, I pray your will, your way. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.